This week on Myths and Legends, it's a terrifying tale of the Greek underworld, where Dionysus gets dressed up and goes trick-or-treating for dead poets. The creatures this week are a world tour of boogeymen, from the hairy namesake of coconuts, to an alligator woman, to an ape who wants to lick your hands. This is Myths and Legends, episode 203, Dead Poets Society. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins, and others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. This is the week before Halloween, the time when we usually do a spooky episode. This year, we follow Dionysus and his friend, Xanthius, to the underworld, where they face off against all types of dead and terrifying monsters. And this is definitely not just a bait-and-switch for a fun, light romp through the underworld, because this nightmare year has been scary enough. Let's go! Get the mic closer. They can't hear me. Okay, there, better. Come on, you have one job, bud, Dionysus said to Xanthius. I have, like, six jobs, Xanthius said, one of which includes keeping the boom mic on you from the back of a donkey while I'm also carrying all your stuff. I don't know why you wouldn't just let me use a lavalier. Gotta be free to move around, my friend, Dionysus said. Can't deal with that bulky pack. Besides, don't have any pockets. You can keep the boom mic on me. You are my servant, after all. Slave, Xanthius corrected. What's the difference? Big one, Xanthia said. Dionysus shook his head. Well, whatever. We can cut all that. Let's just get started. In media res. Boom. Let's go. What jokes do we have? Jokes, Xanthius asked. Why would they need jokes? This was a mythology podcast. Dionysus rolled his eyes. Trust me, the guy can't help himself. He's an elder millennial who thinks pop culture is a substitute for substance. Got any, like, I don't know, Darkwing Duck or Thundercats references in there? Why are we getting meta? Xanthius the slave asked, shifting the weight of the bags on the pole on his back. Ugh. The play all this is based on opens up with us talking about how to open a play, like how many fart jokes are too many fart jokes. Thought the podcast episode should open with us talking about, you know, how to open a podcast, Dionysus noted. That sounds like it could get tedious. Also, you said in media res at the top of the show. We're not. This isn't in media res. We're starting at the beginning. We're going to the underworld so you can find the poet who can save the world of poetry. Regardless, I like how you dress the part, the slave said. Dionysus swung his club. Can't go to the underworld without playing the part, dressed as Hercules. He had his club. He had a cloak made out of lion. Oh, here they were. Xanthius climbed down from the donkey, and both men, Dionysus and Xanthius, walked up to the front door. They knocked, and a wall of muscle and tenuously controlled rage answered. It was Hercules. And he broke out laughing. Dionysus turned to Xanthius. He sometimes had that effect on people. He was the god of madness, too, so sometimes people just couldn't control themselves. <sighs> Seemed even Hercules was powerless against him. I don't think that's what's happening here, Xanthius replied. 
as Hercules composed himself and returned to the door. Was it like Halloween or something? Who's this little guy dressed up like him? I'm your half-brother. I'm a child of Zeus, Dionysus boomed. Hercules smiled. Cool, cool. Welcome to an exclusive club called Everybody. Dionysus narrowed his eyes. His go-to was a crowd of angry drunk women to tear offenders limb from limb. But he thought his mileage may vary with Hercules. Besides, he needed Hercules' help. He needed to get to the underworld. Okay, so have you ever had like a craving for pea soup? Dionysus asked Hercules after the latter finally invited him in. Hercules rolled his eyes. Who doesn't want pea soup? I'm always craving pea soup. My labors, 8 out of 12 of them, they're for a bowl of pea soup, Hercules said. All right, Dionysus replied. Like some people craved pea soup, he craved Euripides. The Athenian playwright, Hercules asked. The dead one? Dionysus nodded. Yeah, so after he died, the plays, the plays were bad. He wanted the plays to not be bad anymore. So he was going to the underworld to get Euripides. He had a fever, and the only cure was more Euripides. That one was a little forced, Xanthius noted, but both the demigods ignored him. Why not get Sophocles if you're going to get anyone? He's better, Hercules said, taking a sip of wine. Yeah, and more famous, I think I could actually get Euripides. Hercules looked at the list. He had like four or five more playwrights to rattle off to get Dionysus' humorous reactions to. We're going to skip these for the podcast, right? Xanthius chimed in in front of his laptop. Like, these references would totally land for a play in 5th century BC Athens, but it seems like kind of a waste of runtime for a podcast version. Dionysus turned, what? No, he better not edit that out. This was good stuff. Xanthius nodded. Yep, staying in, absolutely, he said highlighting the audio and pressing delete. Anyway, I want to go to Hades to bring Euripides back with me, so we can have great plays again, Dionysus said. That's insane, Hercules said. But Dionysus said he wasn't looking for judgment, just help from a seasoned underworld traveler. Hercules had been down to Hades when he had to retrieve Cerberus on his twelfth labor. What episode was that? Uh, 10B, Xanthius said. Ugh, old one. Rough audio quality, writing, delivery, everything. Dionysus ignored him. He said he was just looking for the fastest way down to Hades. Hercules said that there were so many ways down to Hades. Uh, Dionysus could try the rope and scaffold route, if he didn't mind hanging around a little bit. Dionysus grinned. That would be a pain in the neck. Did, did you put a rim shot in? The god of wine asked his slave. Yeah, I, I can take it out if you don't like it, Xanthius said, looking up from his laptop. No, I love it. Leave it in. There's, I don't know, hemlock, Hercules said, rattling off another way to go to Hades. Oh, I don't know. Now I'm getting cold feet, Dionysus said, and waited. Really? He turned to Xanthius. None for that one? Get it? Cold feet? Hemlock is a poison that is believed to drain the warmth from your body, starting at the extremities. Cold feet? Xanthius nodded. No, yeah, he, he got it. If you're looking for a way that goes straight down, there's the tower in the potter's quarter. Just go straight down, Hercules said, splatting one hand on another. 
Dinus has said he didn't come here for the advice on how to die. That was kind of off the table for him anyway. He wanted to take the same route that Hercules had taken. Hercules sat back. Now that, that was a long trip. Was this little guy sure he was up for that? Dionysus sat up. Yes, he wanted all the details. He was going to the underworld. Hercules didn't believe him, but the sooner he explained the steps to find the entrance to Hades, the sooner this guy and his slave slash producer would be out of Hercules' house. So Hercules told them where to find Charon, and Xanthius produced a release. Oh, I, I'm not signing this. I don't want to be on your, your thing here, Hercules said, pushing the tablet back. Oh, that's fine. We'll cut your audio, Dionysus said, helping Xanthius to his feet. You, you sure you're going to cut my audio? Because I just saw you look at him and shake your head. I better not hear my voice on this, whatever this is, Hercules said, gesturing. Dionysus said he promised Hercules wouldn't hear a thing. Xanthius trailed after Dionysus as the Olympian thanked Hercules and left the home. So you let the donkey go, Dionysus said, looking at the place where the donkey should have been tied up. I was trying to keep you on mic. You're very flighty, Xanthius protested, but grumbled, as Dionysus just said that was part of his charm and waited for Xanthius to pick up the bags so they could get on their way again. Xanthius complained, though, and asked if maybe they could just find a corpse on their way to Hades and have him carry something. Just then, they passed a funeral on the road. Dionysus whistled for them to stop. He would like to have a word with the corpse. The people looked puzzled. But Dionysus tapped on the coffin, and the corpse sat up. Hey, bud, you, uh, you going to Hades? Dionysus asked, the already decaying corpse. No, no, all my friends and family are just carrying me in a coffin to uh, Disney World, the corpse replied. Dionysus ignored him. Well, if we're all going to the same place, mind helping me carry my bags? I have all my clothes and then this audio equipment. Two drag me, the corpse said. Look at you, Scrooge McDuck. No, no, that's way too much, Dionysus said. The corpse did that little swirl with his finger and whistled. Paul Bears, let's go. Dionysus told everyone to hold up, hold up. Couldn't they come to some sort of arrangement? He was an Olympian after all. Oh, cool. That and two drachmi will buy you a porter to the underworld, the corpse said. And he wanted payment up front. I've got nine obols. Almost one and a half drachmi. Dionysus counted. What do you say? The corpse laughed. He said he'd sooner live again. He lied down, covered himself up, and tapped twice on the lid to his coffin. The bears resumed their solemn march. Our travelers found their way to the lake that separated the underworld from the world of the living. It's a lake in this one, not sticks. They looked out and saw a boat far off. Karen! Dionysus yelled. Karen! Karen! He waved. He turned to Xanthius. I guess Karen couldn't care less. Really? No rim shot for that one? Oh, yeah, sorry. I lost the file. I accidentally deleted it, Xanthius said with a shrug. Did it just, just copy it from earlier in the episode? 
I can't. It doesn't work like that, Xanthius said. Dionysus was pretty sure that that was exactly how it worked, but he was interrupted. Karen had arrived, Karen being the ferryman to the underworld. All aboard, the ferryman cried. Next stop, Hades. Xanthius hefted his packs up and almost made it over the edge of the boat before Dionysus stopped him. Oh, bud, sorry, this, this boat isn't for you. Xanthius didn't understand. What? Why? Dionysus said it wasn't even his call. This whole time, Karen had been pointing to a sign that said no slaves allowed in the boat unless they were wounded in battle. Sorry, Dionysus said with a shrug. See you on the other side. Xanthius hefted the pack and started his walk. That's going to be some good stuff, the stuff from the boat. I smell another webby, Dionysus said, after he found Xanthius, surrounded by murderers and thieves on the other side. Dionysus had a heart-to-heart with Karen, rode some, yelled at some frogs. He sang. Can a podcast win a Tony? No, Xanthius informed his boss, mainly because that's not a thing that happens, but also because we didn't get any of that. You refused to wear a lapel mic, and I had to walk. Dionysus said that that wasn't any of his fault. It was the extremely discriminatory policy of the fairy. Ah, he hated discrimination once it affected him. Xanthius grimaced. Well, moving on, they should be moving on. They were surrounded by murderers, and a looming shadow was growing behind them. Wow, spooky, Dionysus said. Xanthius nodded, and Dionysus said, no, that's, that's legitimately terrifying, let's go. The pair took off deeper into Hades. As Xanthius ran, he googled. Leg of copper, other leg of... What is that? Dung? Let's say dung, Dionysus said, glancing back. All right, it's Empusa, commanded by Hecate, goddess of magic, witchcraft, necromancy, and sorcery. I know who Hecate is, Dionysus said, as the pair kept jogging, Xanthius trying to keep the bobbing mic on his boss. Soon, Impusa, the demon specter who, in this version, only has a dung leg, gave up, and the pair found themselves in front of a gate. Boom! Palace of Pluto, Dionysus said. Hades, we're calling him Hades. We're doing the Greek names, not the Roman ones. I'm not calling you Bacchus, Xanthius said. Boom! Palace of Hades, Dionysus said, rerunning that line. Xanthius nodded. We got it. Should I, like... Knock or something? You're Hercules. WWHD, what would Hercules do? Xanthius asked. Heracles. We're doing Greek names, right? He's Heracles. Hercules is his Roman name. That's you. That's how you sound, Dionysus said with a smirk. And Xanthius was about to explain that while accuracy was important, so was consistency, even though he was sure they were going to get emails and DMs about that choice for the next five years. A voice boomed from inside the gate. Who keeps saying Hercules and or Heracles out there? Dionysus stood tall in his lion cloak, holding his club. He kept saying that name because he was Hercules and or Heracles. Are you now? The voice said as the door swung open, revealing the man behind the door. It was Iacus, one of the three judges of Hades. He strode out, looking at the pale imitation of Hercules saying that he always hoped the man would return here 
to be in their power once again, after he stole Cerberus. Now that Hercules was back, they would toss him down a cliff, where he would be chased by prowling hounds of hell, where a hundred-headed viper would tear out his entrails. Maybe they would give him the Prometheus package, and have Gorgons pluck out his organs daily. Oh, Hades would be so happy that he was back. The man rushed from the door to go get Gorgons, and the hounds and the ruler of Hades itself, leaving the interlopers alone. When they were gone, Dionysus collapsed, shaking and weeping. Xanthius looked down. This wasn't a good look for his boss. He sniffed. Oh man, did Dionysus soil himself? Dionysus wiped his nose and said that it's very scary to be threatened with eternal punishment. Besides, it missed most of his clothes. Tunics can be forgiving. What were they going to do? What were they going to do? Then his eyes lighted on Xanthius. You. Me. Dionysus smiled a mad smile. You. Take my clothes. Take my place. A god being tortured will last literally forever. You'll probably die after a few days and end up back here after being tortured, Xanthius said, not believing but also kind of believing what he was hearing. Well, now you're just being difficult. I, you know what? I hate to do this, but you're my slave, and I'm ordering you to put on my mostly unsoiled clothes, Dionysus demanded. You don't hate to do this. You pull rank all the time. You know, with me as you, you're going to need to hold the mic, right? And watch the laptop, Xanthius asked as he put on Dionysus' Hercules costume. It's just podcasting. How hard can it be? Dionysus took the laptop and then started messing with it. I think we need, like, a touching transition here. Okay, uh, that, that's the theme song. Just don't touch anything and let it run. I'll take it out and post. Sir, Xanthius said, picking up some water from a nearby jar and dabbing out the urine from his cloak. Hercules, they heard from the door. Xanthius turned and it wasn't the surly and angry Aeacus. But, Xanthius smiled. Ladies, remind me of your names again, seeing as I'm Hercules. I make a lot of friends, the woman spurked. They were maids of Persephone, and they weren't surprised he didn't remember them. But they, they would never forget the night he was down here the last time. Xanthius grinned. Well, they might have to remind him. Tyne insisted, Okay, Z Slave, quiet, work on your podcast, Xanthius barked, before turning back to the ladies. May he come in? The women nodded, of course. When Persephone heard that Hercules was coming, she told everyone to prepare a feast. Roasted whole ox, making cakes and biscuits, good stuff, and dancing women, picked just for you, too. Xanthius nodded, of course. The women moved on ahead to tell everyone that Hercules had arrived. He turned, barking to his slave to bring his bags, and watched those levels. He didn't want peak clipping. Dionysus shook his head. No, no, no. They were changing back. When he was facing eternal punishment for Hercules' crimes, he was more than happy to trade places. But now that it was feasts and dancing women, please, lion cloak and club. Surely you can't be serious, Xanthius asked. I am serious and we're not doing that bit. Give me my clothes back now. I'm not going to watch my slave dancing with women at a feast meant for me. Xanthius didn't grumble that it was a feast meant for Hercules. And so, once again, the men changed. Xanthius picked up the bag, mics, and laptop, and they started the walk into the palace of Hades. You! Dionysus heard a young woman shout. 
He turned with a grin to the first of his many admirers that evening, but he found that it wasn't one of the beautiful girls coming to escort him to the party, but a woman who had been working in the kitchens, followed by all the others. The smile faded from Dionysus' face when he learned that Hercules, the last time he had come through here, had cleaned out the kitchens, but not in a good way. He plowed through and ate everything he could get his hands on. Oh, they had him now, though. They raised the alarm and ran to get some monsters. Xanthius sighed. Dionysus was going to pull rank on the slave again, wasn't he? Dionysus was already getting undressed. Oh, he absolutely was. When the pair had switched places again, the mob returned with Iacus and two burly slaves holding whips and chains, ready to hold Hercules accountable for his crimes. But Xanthius stood. How dare you? How dare you? Dare you accost Hercules, son of Zeus, and accuse me of theft? Xanthius screamed as he gripped his club. He gave the group pause, but soon the slaves continued advancing. Xanthius yelled that it was beneath him to even consider their charges. He had a sacred mission to which he had to return. It included partying and dancing women up ahead. So in the interest of expediting things, he would give them full use of his slave here so they could take out their frustrations. Just really, really go for it. Really just human stress ball. Dionysus nodded. That was just about his luck today. It was then Dionysus' turn to speak to the mob. Look, all you little people. He was a god. An Olympian, actually. It was a whole humorous ruse thing he had going on with his actual slave here, who was just pretending to be Hercules. Did they want to get smote? He was the son of Zeus. Go ahead, try your luck. The denizens of Hades said uh, they were already dead. His threats meant nothing. Besides, if the man was really a god, then this shouldn't do any damage. All right, everyone, hold him down. Dionysus backed up and held up his hands again. Uh, what about Hercules? He was a god too, so flogging wouldn't damage him either. They should both do it. Fine, Xanthius said. First one to cry out isn't a god. He propped up the mic in front of Dionysus and took his place next to his master. I am not going to belabor all this, but what follows is both of them being hit, and screaming out, and then quickly replacing it with the name of a god, and pretending like they're singing praises, instead of screaming out in agony during a flogging. Like, Dionysus is hit, and he says, Ah, Apollo, Lord of Delos' holy isle. Xanthius screams out, Poseidon, and then moves into, King of the mighty deep lord of crags and cliffs. Achis gets super tired of it all, and it is pretty tiring. He came to punish Hercules, after all, not put up with these guys playing off one another for laughs. He held up his hand, ordering the slaves to stop. Enough of this, just, ridiculousness. He might not know who the real god was, but Hades and Persephone would know. He would take them both to his master, and let the lord of the underworld sort it out. We'll see what happens when Dionysus finally makes it to his destination, but that will be right after this. Dionysus, Hades said with a sour face. Dionysus bowed low before the god of the underworld. Uncle, Dionysus said. Milady, he said nodding to Persephone. Nice to see you in your winter home, she grimaced. Ah, ha ha. 
A waiter with a tray passed by Dionysus, but the son of Zeus laughed. No, thanks. He was full and also wanted to leave someday. Sorry, Persephone. Too soon? What's all this? Hades said, gesturing at Xanthius in the boom mic. Oh, it's a podcast? Dionysus said. It's like free internet radio shows. Distributed by RSS, Xanthius chimed in. Also, could he get a mic on Hades and Persephone too, before they got rolling? When no one responded, he looked up to a stunned room. Why is he speaking in our presence? Hades asked Dionysus. But the god of wine was already pushing Xanthius out of the room. Sorry, so insolent, this guy. He was going to get such a beating later, let me tell you. Dionysus would make sure he was with the rest of the slaves. What are you doing? Xanthius whispered. What are you doing? Addressing Hades and Persephone? Dionysus asked. He took Xanthius to the rest of the slaves. He told Xanthius to sit tight there. Their mission was almost done. Yeah, and I'm going to miss all of it because you won't let me... <sighs> Put a mic on you. And he's gone. Awesome. Xanthius sighed, and a female slave came up to him. Dionysus, huh? He was probably here to settle the dispute. Xanthius spun around and held a mic in her face. The dispute. Could she speak to that? What is the dispute? And when she answers, could she rephrase the question? She said, yeah, it's between... The dispute is... Xanthius interrupted. The dispute, the young slave replied, clenching her jaw, is between Athenian playwrights Euripides and Aeschylus. Both of them want the seat of honor at the table of Hades. It's a seat that regularly goes to the best poet once they die. And Euripides and Aeschylus, Xanthius asked, what works are they known for? Once again, rephrasing the question, please. Aeschylus, the reigning poet laureate of Hades, is known for seven against Thebes, the Orestia, so what happened to Agamemnon when he returned from Troy, and Prometheus Bound. The challenger, Euripides, is known for Medea, the Trojan women, and, of course, the Bacchae, where Dionysus messes with the king of Thebes, and I, I, I'm very familiar with that one, Xanthius said. Anyway, Sophocles of the Oedipus fame said that he backs Aeschylus, and if Euripides wins, Sophocles will take him on. Take him on? What, what does that mean? Xanthius asked. It means they're competing against each other as to who has the best skills in lyric and verse. Oh, okay. So it's like the sort of thing that's going to require a lot of background knowledge about the composition style of each poet's individual plays, Xanthius asked with a sigh. Yeah, it's going to be hilarious, the slave said. For like a 5th century BC Athenian, for everyone else it's going to be like smart friends firing inside jokes back and forth, but we're not in on the joke. Oh, here they come, the slave said. Hades, Persephone... And the MC for the evening, Dionysus, led the two poets. Dionysus stepped up to center stage. Ladies and gentlemen and monsters, you could have been anywhere else in the world tonight, but you're here with us in... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm hearing that you're all dead and trapped in Hades forever. Bummer. Kind of throws off my intro, though. Ah, uh, where was I? Oh yeah, today, or today, it's like a casino in here. There's no natural light, so I can't tell what time of day it is. Um, Alright, really getting into the weeds here. Two poets are here to determine who gets to sit in the chair at the table. Two of the greatest the world has ever known. Alright, opening arguments. They were just flinging insults at one another. Aeschylus called Euripides the son of a seed goddess. Referencing one time Euripides referred to Achilles as a son of a sea goddess, Thetis and the fact that Euripides' mother used to sell seeds. Because, of course, 
The best insults require footnotes. Aeschylus was really out for blood, because he said he knew all of his plays would outlive him. But all Euripides is died with Euripides, which, not gonna sit here and fact check the whole thing, but that's pretty solidly not true. Man, talk about inside baseball, Xanthius muttered, as he watched Euripides rebuff Aeschylus' insults, and then launch into a critique of his own. They do get pretty into the weeds. I'm here for the funny mythology and not really for a play about the detailed criticism of a couple of fictionalized playwrights. It comes down to Aeschylus criticizing Euripides' lack of respect for forms and traditions. Euripides was more avant-garde, and Aeschylus evidently hated it. Basically, the writer of this particular play, Aristophanes, had a lot of opinions about contemporary playwrights, and he was going to tell you every single one of them. Dionysus, though, was hamming it up. He was in his element and killing it as MC, keeping both poets on their toes, making sure no one dominated too much of the time, and breaking up the squabbles. He, though, was starting to get confused. You know, I was originally going to go with Euripides as the best poet, but now Aeschylus, this guy, this guy can write, Dionysus said. Well, luckily you don't get to decide that, Euripides said, barely glancing at Dionysus. Oh, Dionysus said it wasn't about the chair, that he didn't care about that. He was just looking for someone to bring back to life. Both men stopped. What? Dionysus nodded. Oh, yeah. Athenian poetry was terrible now, so he needed the greatest poet of this generation to save the world. Of poetry. Hades stood. Now, hold on. That wasn't something that happened here. You don't get to go back, unless you're among the handful of people who get to go back, apparently. Though... Uh, well, it would solve the problem of who got to sit in the chair. You know what? Sure. Whoever wins this contest gets to go back with Dionysus. The other gets a seat of honor. Fair? Fair. Also, two-minute warning, guys. Drop your best verses. Because your life is literally on the line. Dionysus turned. All right. Final question. Closing statement. Whatever. How do we save the city of Athens so we can have more poetry festivals? Euripides, go. Euripides cocked an eyebrow. Believe the safe unsafe and the safe safe. Mistrust what you now trust and fear no more. Okay, that makes no sense to me and I live for wordplay, Dionysus said. Maybe speak more clearly but not as cleverly. Euripides explained himself. If they were to stop putting their trust in those they do at the moment and put it instead in those that they don't at the moment, the city will be saved. Dionysus laughed. Well, that's fun and understandable. Aeschylus, your turn. Aeschylus stepped up. They must regard enemy soil as theirs and let their own land go. The navy is the city's strength and any other wealth is woe. The crowd erupted in cheers. What did that mean? The slave asked Xanthius. Xanthius looked up the footnote. Ah! It was a popular sentiment in Athens at the time, that you should trust in naval superiority. It was championed by Pericles, the famous Athenian leader, like 30 years ago. And this is a good verse? The slave asked. Xanthius shrugged. Who even knows anymore? But the fact that Euripides was pulling out his hair and weeping, and Dionysus was holding up Aeschylus' arm like a prizefighter, meant that Aeschylus was coming back with him. Oh, and I guess Aeschylus said that Sophocles now got the seat at the table, so... Euripides completely lost today. 
Hades yelled out for drinks all around, and there was a massive party in Hades for one of the greatest poets of a generation getting to return to the world of the living. And Xanthius waited until Dionysus came stumbling out of the palace. Aeschylus with him, Dionysus whistled, and, shouldering his pack, Xanthius shuffled on over to his master, ready for the long walk back. Hades stood at the door, and when he saw a human, he smiled. He was going to have some fun. Bye, human! He yelled to Xanthius. Xanthius turned to wave. Up, oh, up, oh, don't look back or you'll have to stay here forever. Final warning, Hades said. Xanthius got wide-eyed. I'm just messing with you, the lord of the underworld said with a smile. Or am I? Xanthius swallowed hard. I am, I am. Go on and save the world of poetry in Athens, he said. And the pair disappeared in the haze. All's well that ends well, Dionysus said. I think we got a pretty solid podcast episode out of this, too. A lot of meta-references, but hopefully it wasn't as dense as the regular play. How could it be? Dionysus replied. Hey, I know I'm basically immortal and go back to Olympus, but while you have that thing, you should check out your Wikipedia page. See what happens with Xanthius the Slave. Xanthius nodded. Nice! His legacy was that he defied conventions and served as a major character who was more intelligent and capable than his master. I I don't know about that, Dionysus said, inching closer to the computer. Xanthius nodded as he read some more. Oh, cool! He has some more appearances in other plays. Nice! Dionysus asked about the program they were using to record all this. How did it work? This was their only record of it? This was the only copy? Any, Any backups? Oh, now you're interested? Xanthius said. Well, yeah, he hadn't had a chance to back things up yet and changed windows. Uh, This is the program and... What's this do? Dionysus asked. Xanthius scrambled. That was the delete key. If you press that, then... Whoops, Dionysus said. And press the button. I probably had too much fun with this episode, but to be fair, the play it's based on has too much fun with its little meta jokes, so if anything, I was being true to the original. The play is called The Frogs by Aristophanes, who's known as the father of comedy, whose caricatures were so biting that, according to Plato, his portrayal of Socrates contributed to the philosopher's execution. Next week, we'll be back in the Grimm stories. That was supposed to be this week, and I was planning on skipping a Halloween episode this year, but then I realized that a fun romp through the underworld was the type of Halloween episode we could all use right now. So I moved this one up by a few weeks. If you'd like to support the show, there's still a membership thing on the site. For less than the price of an oversized sloth pool raft, you can get extra episodes and ad-free versions of the show that, sadly, won't fulfill your incredibly specific desires to be hugged by a floating sloth whose hands are also cup holders. Check out support.mythpodcast.com for more info on the membership. The creature this week is the boogeyman from everywhere. So there are some creatures that we pass on because they're just monsters that murder people. That's it. This week, we're all about those boogeymen and women and alligators. We'll start off in Spain with El Coco 
The coco is a creature from Spain, Portugal, and Latin America who eats children, a quality that parents will tell their children about right before bed in nursery rhymes. Starting in the 17th century, people started telling their children a rhyme that essentially boiled down to sleep child, sleep now, else Coco will come and eat you. Which, nothing will help a child get to sleep like knowing that a monster lurks on the edge of the darkness, ready to eat them. Though I guess sometimes when it comes to children going to bed, it's less about them going to sleep and more so making sure they stay in bed and stay quiet. Parents in the Middle Ages weren't messing around when it came to making sure their children were quiet. I guess even preferring to terrorize them, so they stayed as such. Coco is a hairy man who eats children, and I found it said that when people from Portugal and Spain came into contact with coconuts, it was named Coconut because it was brown and hairy, resembling the legendary boogeyman Coco. But the boogeyman isn't always shaggy, and he isn't always a man. In Brazil, Coca is a humanoid female alligator with a sack, who sleeps only one night every seven years. When she gets mad, her roar can be heard from 35 miles away. She's a bit more picky when it comes to meals, preferring not to eat children raw. So she kidnaps them and takes them home and turns them into soup. In Italy, they expanded the uses of boogeyman. Their boogeyman, known as Lomo Nero, the black man, which is because he's completely made of shadow with a shadow cloak, can not only emerge from any amount of shadow, but will stop by in the middle of the evening if the children aren't eating their dinner. If nightly terror wasn't enough, parents have been known to knock on the table and pretend that it was the Lomo Nero coming to take kids who won't eat their dinner. If you get on the wrong side of this boogeyman, he won't actually harm you, just take you away for a whole year to live in a nightmare realm, which is better? Moving east to Albania. The boogie woman there is named Lubia, and she's a female demon who has between 7 and 100 heads. And if you're a child on that epic hero track and you keep a sword tucked under your bed, be aware that cutting off one head of the Lubia causes two others to take its place, like the Hydra, so you're better off burning it. Since we're headed into winter, you'll want to watch out for Grilla from Iceland. She takes kids to eat them on Christmas Eve, and in some versions, we'll just wander around town, asking parents for their disobedient children, which is both the lowest effort and the most honest way to go about it. But if you're a parent who doesn't want to give your child to a monster, all you have to do to get rid of her is give her other food or chase her off. A person who doesn't skimp on the effort is Der Kropman from Luxembourg. Something of a dark European Pennywise, Der Kropman means the hook man, and he'll wait in storm drains in other places where water flows, to use his long hook to hook children by the nose and pull them to his underground dungeon. Not to overly frighten anyone, and this might just be a bad translation that I read, but he also might be able to travel through toilets. As it turned out, there were a lot more boogeymen than we had time for today. Like the mama from Pakistan, a giant ape who kidnaps women and then licks their hands and feet so they'll be unable to run away. Also, someone might want to check on him this year. That's not a sanitary thing to be doing at all. Or Kaka, a giant slimy snail that can smell guilt and creep into your home through any available crack to just smile at you with its slimy, toothless mouth. Some takeaways, though. Basically, if you're a child, stay away from water, do your homework, eat your food, and when you go to bed, lie there in terror until sleep takes you, or else you'll be taken by a person that travels in shadows 
or an alligator, or an ape, who at best wants to eat you, and at worst, wants to lick your hands and feet and keep you in a nightmare realm where no one will ever hear your cries. Good night. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by the band Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music in the show notes. And I want to say thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring us this week. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? You should really check out BetterHelp. They assess your needs to match you with your own professional, licensed therapist, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. Visit BetterHelp.com myths. That's BetterHelp and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Myths and Legends listeners get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com myths. All right, that's it. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.